Have you ever wondered if you had what it takes to track down a killer? If so, then why not head over to killertrace.com forward slash trains talk podcast 2088, where you can subscribe to see if you can track down a serial killer. Killer Trace is a monthly subscription-based box where you'll receive a case file, crime scene pictures, and evidence for further analysis. What sets Killer Trace apart from similar products is its unique case management system, where you can send and request virtual evidence and DNA testing. Even discuss your case with other Killer Trace members to track down the killer. Again, that's killertrace.com forward slash strange talk podcast 2088. Use my URL code, which you can find in the episode description. Beverly Rose Potts, born April 15, 1941, was an American girl from Cleveland, Ohio, who in 1951 became the subject of a famous missing persons case when she disappeared only a few blocks from her home. After attending a show in a nearby park, she has never been found and her disappearance remains unsolved. Welcome to Strange Talk. Blonde, blue-eyed Potts was described as a shy, quiet, and responsible child, fascinated by the performing arts, who was due to enter the fifth grade in fall 1951. At the time, she was living on Lynette Avenue with her parents, Robert and Elizabeth Potts, and her 22-year-old sister, Anita. On August 24th, she and her friend and neighbor, Patsy Swing, were given permission to see the show wagon, an annual summer children's performance event being held that evening in Halloran Park, less than a quarter of a mile from the girls' homes. This was a special treat, as the park was generally considered unsaved after dark, when large trees dimmed the surrounding streetlights. It was also frequented by the local vagrant population. The two girls initially went to the park on their bicycles around 7 p.m. At 8 p.m., deciding it would be easier to maneuver on foot through the large crowds in attendance, they returned home to drop off their bikes, arriving back at the show sometime before 8.30 p.m. And at about 8.45 p.m., Swing, who had promised to be home before dark, suggested they leave for home. Potts said that she had been given permission to stay for the entire show, which was not due to end until after 9 p.m. So Swing went back to her own home alone. Swing last saw Potts in the crowd, still watching the performances on stage. At about 9.30 p.m., when the show had ended and the park was emptying, a 13-year-old boy who knew Potts saw her heading diagonally across the park in a northeasterly direction, about 150 yards from the corner of Lynette Avenue and West 117th Street. This would have been the quickest route to Potts' home, which would then only be a few minutes' walk away. The boy recognized Potts by her distinctive duck-like gait, walking with toes pointed outward. Several other witnesses said they had seen a girl resembling Potts near a battered black 1937 Dodge Cope idling on West 117th Street, apparently speaking to two young men inside. The various witnesses placed this encounter anywhere between 8.30pm and 9.30pm, but none of them had seen the girl entering the car. When Potts did not return home by 10pm, her family began searching the area. About an hour later, having found no sign of her, they called the police. 
The police immediately began a large-scale search on their own, but were unable to find any trace of pots. Even after several days, investigation including door-to-door canvassing of nearby neighborhoods, tracing suspicious cars, searching nearby vacant lots, and using a plane to survey open railway cars, police received and investigated thousands of telephone tips, which had been spurred by the extensive press coverage of the disappearance, but none provided any solid leads. Pot's family members were quickly cleared. Investigators determined that her home life had been stable and by all accounts happy, and there appeared to be no reason for her to have run away. Potts was known to be unusually shy, especially around males, and particularly cautious of strangers. Investigators theorized that she had most likely been enticed into a nearby house or car on her way home by someone she knew, perhaps with the promise of a babysitting job. Despite her youth, Potts was regularly hired as a sitter for neighborhood children, or a request to run an errand. It was thought that Potts might have been killed by a neighbor and buried in or around one of the nearby houses on Lynette Avenue, and at least one search to that effect was carried out in 1973, in the basement of what by then was an auto body shop. However, no signs of Potts were found there or elsewhere, and no plausible local suspect has ever been uncovered. Shortly after her disappearance, a 1,500 reward, equivalent to 14,142 in 2017, was offered by her father's union, AFL Stagehands, for clues to her whereabouts. Hey strangers, before I continue on with today's episode, I just want to let you guys know that my friends at RockStrulyShop.com is offering my listeners a discount code, that's StrangePod. So use StrangePod to save 15% off any purchase at RoxJewelryShop.com. That's R-O-X-JewelryShop.com. And save 15% off with any purchase by using my discount code StrangePod. Now, back to the show. Several suspects emerged over the years, but none can be definitively linked to the case. In 1955, Harvey Lee Rush, a drifter and a Cleveland native, told police in California that he had killed Potts after luring her to a nearby bridge with candy. However, he placed the murder in 1952, a year after Potts' actual disappearance. Rush recanted his entire story shortly after being extradited to Cleveland, saying that he had confessed merely as a way to get back to his hometown. In 1980, Two retired Cleveland police detectives, James Furest and Robert Shanklin, revealed that in 1974 they had received a tip from a local attorney with the client whose brother had supposedly confessed to abducting Potts. The detectives subsequently found and questioned the brother, who they said had readily admitted to having lived near Halloran Park in 1951 and making a habit of picking up and molesting young girls there. The man did not remember abducting Potts in particular but said he had flashes of memory involving a girl named Beverly. Furious and Shankland were convinced the man was guilty, but the county prosecutor's office refused to pursue the case, citing a lack of evidence. William Henry Redmond was an Ohio native and former carnival worker, was indicted in 1988 for the 1951 Pennsylvania murder of eight-year-old Jane Mary Althoff, while in prison, Redmond reportedly told a cellmate that he had killed three other young girls. When questioned about the Potts case in particular, Redmond refused to make a statement, one way or the other. 
He was in the general area at the time of Pot's disappearance and had a record of child molestation convictions dating back to 1935. However, Potts would have been considerably older than his previous victims. In 1994, a letter was discovered under a carpet in a Cleveland house, written by a woman who claimed to have caught her husband disposing of Potts' body in their furnace. Upon being traced and questioned by police, the woman said that the allegation was false. She had written the letter solely as a revenge fantasy against her abusive husband. More letters were sent to Robert Brent Larkin, of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, beginning in 2000, purporting to be from an elderly and infirm man who claimed that he wanted to confess to molesting and murdering Potts before his imminent death. The anonymous author pledged to turn himself in on August 24, 2001, the 50th anniversary of Potts' disappearance, but shortly beforehand wrote again to say he had to enter a nursing home and would be unable to honor his promise of otherwise revealing himself. An extensive investigation failed to turn up any clothes to the author's identity. Larkin now believes the letters to have been a hoax. Do you love all things strange and paranormal? Well, why not represent that by heading to ParaboxMonthly.com. Parabox Monthly is a subscription-based box where you'll receive various t-shirts, representing all things strange and weird. Use my promo code STRANGEPOD to save 10% off your first box. That's ParaboxMonthly.com. Use promo code STRANGEPOD to save 10% off your first box. Now, back to the show. The enduring mystery of Pot's apparently random disappearance and the extensive investigation quickly captured the imagination of the press and by extension, the entire city. Becoming notorious, especially among parents, fearful for their own children's safety. It has since become one of Cleveland's most well-known missing persons cases. Thea Gallo Becker, author of Legendary Locals of Cleveland, says that it remains one of the most haunting and heartbreaking mysteries in Cleveland history. Pot's mother died in 1956, reportedly hastened by heartbreak over her daughter's disappearance, and her father in 1970. Beverly's only sibling, Anita, continued to search for her until her own death in 2006. There is a memorial marker to Beverly situated next to the graves of her parents. For Beverly Potts, she would never be found. And this poem by T. Duffy would basically capture how her parents must have felt. It goes like this. Missing in the darkness, vanished without a trace, with only the memories and photographs to fill an empty place. Strange Talk Podcast is a weekly podcast dedicated to all things strange. If you want to reach me about a certain topic you'd like me to cover, you can do so by going to strangetalkpodcast.outlook.com and sending me an email there, or you can find me on Instagram at strangetalkpodcast and send me a DM through there. As always, stay strange. <laughs>